Hello, friend Craig Ballard, Locked on Blue Jays. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, and today going to deep dive the back end of this Blue Jays bullpen. Is it World Series worthy? A lot of talk about that these days. We're going to deep dive. Also, a look at some good, bad, and ugly when it comes to stats from last year's team that the Jays either need to make sure they duplicate this season or are better, and of course, more. You are Locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Craig Ballard. I am Locked On Blue Jays, and I am thankful that you're spending part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jays baseball with me here. We are midweek. What an important week this is. Blue Jay baseball, actual go time, actual Blue Jay baseball of significance, of meaning upon us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know we're all super excited about this season. First thing, of course, we're going to get into some housekeeping because we're going to answer our Lockdown Blue Jays trivia question from yesterday, which is there are not one. There's actually two Toronto Blue Jays who in franchise history have hit two home runs in one inning. Edwin Encarnacion, that was a, a 2013, did that. And Joe Carter in 1993 did that as well. Thank you for, for playing along with that at home. Now, today, first segment, want to deep dive this Blue Jay bullpen, in particular the back end of the Blue Jay bullpen, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys. A lot of talk going on right now. You hear Blair and Barker here a lot in the Blue Jay fan base talking about, is this a World Series worthy bullpen? I mean, first of all, I think you can look at the Philadelphia Phillies last season. They didn't have what you would consider a World Series worthy bullpen, yet there they were in the World Series. They didn't win the World Series. I, I hear you on that. But, you know, sort of begs the question of what is a World Series worthy bullpen? And Blair and Barker, a lot of people right now talking about that at least one trade, if not a couple, need to be made to bring in some arms to that bullpen. And, and some people talking about it almost like on a blockbuster level, a major arm needs to be added to this bullpen. And that's not where I am. I'm liking this bullpen as is. And going forward, we're going to dive into all of that. So let's start with the main attraction, some CanCon, some Canadian content, Jordan Romano. I think a lot in the Blue Jay fan base, I'm getting a lot of questions recently about can he be a World Series winner closer? Can he be the closer on a World Series winning team? I really wonder where that question's coming from. Now, granted, his 2022 wasn't as eye pop emoji as his 2021, but the really when you look into his season, I mean, he was an all star last season, 36 saves against six blown saves. These are all very, you know, very good things. The difference, because there was a difference between 2021 and 2022, I do acknowledge that, and it was Romano's performance on the road. Last season, Jordan Romano, in his 63 games, he allowed a run in 10 of those 63 games. Eight of those 10 games were on the road, whereas the previous season, he was absolutely light, lights out on the road. And this could be significant, as we looked at on Friday's show, the good, bad, ugly of the Blue Jays' schedule this season. It is really ugly early on, road heavy early on, and difficult early on. 25 of the first 37 games this season are away from Rogers Center for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, yes, Jordan Romano going to need to turn things around as far as his road performance. Yes. What did we see from Romano last season? Thought at any given time his fastball was on point or his slider was on point, right? I didn't feel there was any stretch of time last season where both pitches were in lockstep with each other and he was just completely dominant. It was always one and then the other struggling, seemingly to me anyway. And really, did did the management, it remembers Charlie Montoya, one of the top criticisms of Charlie Montoya before he was fired is how he ran and handled and managed his bullpen. Well, 
he was running Jordan Romano out there left, right, and center to start the season. Romano in April and May was in there almost every day. Like it, it was really insane. We saw in May that really took a toll. As May went on, Jordan Romano really struggled. In came John Schneider, got some semblance of you know, uh, of that closer back from Jordan Romano. So things did seem to turn around. But yes, the, hopefully Schneider can can help monitor, can help measure some of those uh, times, uh, opportunities, some of those innings, especially early in the season. Have Jordan Romano ease into the season. That's what happened in 2021. And, and he caught absolute fire and was awesome. And absolutely Romano is going to have to be better on the road this season. How about his setup, guys? Eric Swanson. Let's start with Eric Swanson, right? That's that's the new kid on the block. That's the centerpiece of the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Eric Swanson has a four-seamer and a splitter that just those two pitches alone make him valuable, make him an asset, make him a contributor. He also has a slider. Now, the slider gets a lot of swings and misses. The slider does get a lot of swings and misses, but when, if Eric Swanson, if and when he does get in trouble, it is with that slider. There were times last season where he missed his spot with that slider. So some improvements to that pitch... If that were to happen, Pete Walker, you're on the clock. Now you're looking at Eric Swanson with a plus-plus four-seamer, a plus-plus split, splitter, and if you can develop that slider as well, three pitches that he's going to throw for strikes coming out of that bullpen, love that. Last season, Eric Swanson faced every team in the American League East, ironically except Toronto, but all the other the, the four Toronto Blue Jay foes, Swanson faced them all. In fact, he had eight games last season against American League East teams, allowed just one run. Allowed just one run. There's some cause from optimism right there. That's going to work, right? How about Jimmy Garcia? We have uh, Atkins insists it's Jimmy Garcia. His agent insists it's Jimmy Garcia. Okay, I'm going to go with the agent. I love Atkins. I'm going to go with the agent, Jimmy Garcia. Okay. Now, Jimmy Garcia's got that four-seamer. Really, really, really good pitch. Really effective pitch. And he throws it a lot. He's got the hard sinker, which can is usually very effective for him as well. He throws a slider, a curveball, and a changeup. He's got quite a repertoire for, for a reliever. But, man, are we happy with the slider or the change or the curve? When he gets in trouble, it's one of those three pitches. So as, as heavy as he is with this fastball, throws it you know way more often than not, I'd still like to see him maybe lean on the fastball a little more, get that slider improving a little more. Now that's a couple of relievers where, Pete Walker, you're on the clock, right? Need to tighten up these sliders. But I, I, absolutely, Jimmy Garcia, I, I have a lot of faith in Garcia. He was awesome last season in the seventh inning. Decent enough in the eighth and ninth inning, don't get me wrong there, but he was really, really, really good in that seventh inning. So I love him in that seventh inning spot. Got enough guys to be the setup man. You know Romano's got the ninth lockdown. We got enough guys that we're going to look at here, Swanson, one of them, for that eighth inning. I love the idea of Jimmy Garcia in the seventh inning. Anthony Bass. Second go around with the Blue Jays. He was awesome last season. His career total as a Blue Jay is a 2.63 ERA. I like Anthony Bass a lot. Slider, hard sinker are, are so effective versus righties. Throws that four seamer and the split, uh, splitter to lefties. Anthony Bass, I feel like this guy is, is, is a veteran, uh, a great teammate. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anthony Bass. And, and Blue Jay fans have been clamoring for that strikeout guy in the back of that bullpen. Anthony Bass is a strikeout per innings pitch, pitcher, so he, he brings a lot to the table as well. I'm very comfortable having him and Eric Swanson in that eighth inning. If there's a tough lefty coming up in that eighth inning, this hello, Tim Meza. Call down to the bullpen for Tim Meza. Now, Meza looked good in spring training. That's what I'm happiest about right now because his 2022 wasn't, it was good, but his 2021 was amazing, right? So, and and back of the and back of the bullpen, guys, it's the most volatile position in sports, not even just in baseball, in sports. 
you look at a guy like Brett Cecil. Remember Brett Cecil? He's setting records one year for what he did in the bullpen. And the next year, he's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. And by the way, the year before he set all those records, he was the worst thing you ever seen in your life. So it's so volatile. It's so up and down. It's so difficult to be consistent at the back of that bullpen. So I get it why Tim Mesa took a bit of a step back last season. But really, we can pinpoint for Tim Mesa has to be significantly, not even better, has to be significantly better this season than he was last season against righties. He continues to be dominant against lefties, but righties last season really got to him. In particular, that slider against righties really got dealt with. Oh my gosh, is this now the third reliever that we're mentioning? Hey, Pete Walker, you are on the clock for improving these sliders in this bullpen, my, my good sir. Shout out to Chad Green. Very interesting move that the Toronto Blue Jays made, bringing in Chad Green. Right now, it's not on anybody's radar. Why would it be? Bullpen looks good already. The AAA bullpen looks better than it has in a while, so there's some depth for the first time in a long time in this Blue Jay bullpen. And Chad Green's not going to be around. We don't even know when he's going to be around. We don't know when he's going to come back from injury. He very much thinks he's going to come back in 2023 at some point. If that's the case, probably going to be around the trade deadline. And what an, that, that, that's like a major addition to your bullpen at the trade deadline. So I get if you've got Chad Green on the back of your mind now, but let's not sleep on Chad Green. Let's not totally forget him because he absolutely can be a contributor to the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. <sighs> I know nobody wants to hear this next one because I'm in the minority and I've not given up. But yes, for the what? 14th, 15th year in a row, whatever it is, I'm saying let's look at Nate Pearson. I still believe in his upside. I still believe in his potential. I still believe he's going to be very good on the major league level, and in particular, out of this bullpen. I like what I saw from him in spring. I like the approach the Blue Jays are taking right now. They're trying to get him to pitch two innings. They're trying to have him face six batters, no less, eight batters, no more. Trying to get him in that zone. So mentally, he's got a real good understanding because he struggled with this in the past. So that mentally, he's got a real good understanding of what his role is and how he needs to go about his business. How do I keep those bullets in the, t in, in the gun? How do I keep that energy in the tank so I'm really good for these six to eight batters? I like what I saw from Nate Pearson. I think he can contribute to this team going forward. Will not surprise me at all to see him get, get important innings as this season goes on for the Toronto Blue Jays. That, that's not a conversation that's for the faint of heart, right? I'm sitting here saying I still believe in Nate Pearson, and I'm fully acknowledging that praising and being excited about Nate Pearson is not for the faint of heart. I get it because it, it is true, right? We would only ever want to have open, honest conversations. This really is season, I joke 14, 15, but it really is season at least like three or four where we're wondering, will, will this be the year that Nate Pearson reaches his potential and comes up to the big league level? Remember now, the best we've ever seen Nate Pearson, by far actually, on the big league level, was at the 2020 playoffs where he did come out of the bullpen against the Tampa Bay Rays, faced the six batters that we're talking about, struck five of them out. So he's been very successful. He's been at his best in this role. I think it's going to be a great role, and uh, he's going to be a contributor going forward. And finally, at the end of this season, as much as I like this bullpen right now, again, Chad Green going to come in. I think Pearson going to come in. What about Ricky Tiedemann? What about Ricky Tiedemann? Couldn't you see a scenario? He's starting in AAA. They, they want him to be a starter, yes. But couldn't you see a scenario where the, this, this regime, we've seen this regime time and time again be, be microscopic, right? When it comes to micromanaging, when it comes to their youngsters' innings, their, their, their young arms and those innings pitched. So I could really see a scenario where Tiedemann is a starter for most of this season, but then the Blue Jays start to get a little uncomfortable or, or aware, maybe not uncomfortable, aware is probably the way to put it, aware of his innings pitched. Don't want him to start anymore, but wouldn't mind seeing him come out of the bullpen. Well, if if he's every bit as fire in 2023 as we think he's going to be, 
then that may be an arm added to the back of the bullpen. We'll revisit this later on because right now that looks like a bit of a bit of a pipe dream, right? So does the Nate Pearson, and we don't know when Chad Green's coming back. But we'll revisit all of these as we go forward. I think all three of these guys have a chance to really contribute to the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. Now let's get into some FanDuel information here. The tournament is heating up, right? Tournament's on fire. Hey, the U. University of Miami, my team, Final Four, yes. And we know that FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Now, that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet. Well, that's fun to say. No-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spreads to which team will cut down the net all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your chance for the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays, segment two for Wednesday, March 29th. You know, in the middle segment, usually like to deep dive some good, bad, and the ugly. And for today's Good, Bad, and the Ugly, we're going to take a look at some team stats and some individual stats from the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays. Some that were good that absolutely need to see that again. Some that were bad that, oh my, oh my, we need a 180 on this one. And some that were ugly, like get these things out of here, need wholesale improvements on these stats. So let's get into it. As always, we start with the good. Only the New York Yankees scored more runs last year than any team in the American League. Now, I know there's a lot of concern for what the 2023 Toronto Blue Jay offense will look like. Ultimately, from a run scored standpoint, I think it's going to be very, very similar. I think the Blue Jays are still going to be a very top run producing team, top run scoring team. I just think it's going to look much different. It, it won't, and in a good way, by the way, it won't be just this home run or bust that we're used to seeing. The base running, not just from these new rules, but from this new Blue Jays roster, the left-handed and right-handed balance, the way that the, the Jays are going to be able to manufacture runs this season, I think is going to be as good as we've ever seen, really, as we've ever seen in Toronto Blue Jay history. So will the offense look different? I, I think so, yes. But is it poised to take some major step back that a lot of Blue Jay fans are concerned with? I just don't see it. No team in baseball last season had more hits than the Toronto Blue Jays. That's something, again, where I think this team will be amongst the league leaders. Heck, any team that has Bo Bichette playing every day, hitting in the top third of their lineup, is going to be amongst the league leaders for, for, for most hits. Right? Bo has had two seasons in a row where he's been number one for hits. So I don't see the Blue Jays' uh, run scored or hits taking any sort of huge step backwards this season. The Jays have had seven straight seasons where they've hit at least 200 home runs. Now, will this be an eighth straight? I'm going to say probably not, but here's the thing. Of these seven straight, last season was the lowest, and it was right at 200. Now, anything in the 200s is legit. I still think the Blue Jays can approach 200 home runs, if not get into 200 home runs. But it's funny how concerned a lot in the fan base are about the offense taking a step back. In particular, you hear them reference the, the power numbers taking a step back. Well, they were already sort of taking a step back. Again, seven seasons in a row, at least 200 home runs. But last season, 2022, was the lowest total there. So it was already a team taking a few steps back as far as home runs were concerned. And again, I'm I'm here to, to say that I don't think that's a bad thing. They found they're with this roster, they're going to find new ways to manufacture runs and, and, and be 
be very dangerous and continue to be potent offensively. Think about when you watch the Blue Jays play the Rays. Think about when you watch the Blue Jays play the, the Cleveland Guardians. Those teams aren't home run or bust, and they give the Jays fits because they play baseball the right way. It's station-to-station baseball. It's situational hitting. It's manufacturing runs with home runs thrown in there, yes, but it's not home run or bust. Fewest by far, in fact. Fewest wild pitches the Blue Jays had last season. Excellent. Let's have that continue. Uh, only Tampa Bay and the Dodgers in all of baseball walked fewer batters. So real nice job last year by the pitching staff. Let's see those sort of things continue. Now, speaking of things that need to continue from the pitching staff, how about Alec Manoa? Alec Manoa, full season, his first full season in the big league level, 0.992 whip. Wow, didn't even have a whip of one. So impressive he was last season. We've talked already on Lockdown Blue Jays how all the projections, all of them, have Alec Manoa taking not just steps backwards this upcoming season, but major steps backwards this upcoming season. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not predicting it at all. I think Manoa is going to be awesome again this season. Kevin Gosman. Oh, my goodness. How good? He has to improve at home, right? We'll admit that. We'll open honest conversation. We'll, 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 we'll acknowledge that. But on the road, Kevin Gosman. Goodness. Eight and three with the 2.3 ERA last season on the road for the Toronto Blue Jays. Absolutely stellar. And we know how good Kevin Gosman has looked in spring. So all kinds of reasons to be optimistic and excited about Gosman this season. How about Jordan Romano? Jordan Romano, we talked earlier about how Romano needs to uh, improve on the road. Well, at home, he just needs to keep firing on all cylinders. Last season, Romano 3-1 and one with 22 saves at home, 1.10 ERA at the Rogers Center, 0.796 whip. My goodness, absolute, absolute domination, absolutely stellar at home at the Rogers Center for Jordan Romano. Hometown boy, right? Pitching in front of the hometown fans, and he was just incredible last season. He pitched 32 different games at Rogers Center in 2022. Only gave up one home run. Wow, very impressive. And finally, in the good category, things we need to see continue from last season versus the Boston Red Sox. The Blue Jays played 19 games last season, lost three. 16 and three against the Red Sox. Now, it's a balanced schedule now, right? So you don't play your division rivals 19 times anymore. That's down to 13, but still, but still, let's keep that domination rolling against the Boston Red Sox, who I do think are the worst team in the American League East this year. How about some of the bad now? Under 500, we mentioned how good they were against Boston, but under 500 against Tampa, under 500 against the Yankees, just 10 and 9 against the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, the Orioles were an improved team last season. There's just no doubt about it, but 10 and 9 against the Baltimore Orioles, under 500 against New York, under 500 against Tampa, none of these things are going to cut it in 2023. Only Washington, only the Nationals lost more games last season than the Oakland A's. But the Blue Jays just 3-3 three and three against the A's last season. The Jays will play the A's six times again this season. And just by showing up to the game on time, that should be 4-2. and two. Now you catch a break here or there, that's a 5-1. and one, Or if I'm getting really lofty, 6-0, and oh, but that's probably too much. But 4-2, and 5-1 and one as the upside, that should be where this team is. 3-3 three and three against the lowly Oakland A's? Unacceptable. No complete games last season. Sort of the way Major League Baseball is now, I get it, but I, I still very much have that in the bad category. And finally, in the bad category, middle of the pack for runs allowed. Weren't great, weren't awful when it comes to runs runs allowed, but if you're a team that has World Series aspirations, you can't be middle of the pack. That has to improve. Now, cause for optimism, I think that will improve, right? This, this 2023 Toronto Blue Jay defense, completely superior. Completely superior to last year's defense. So hopefully we will see that improve. Now some ugly things that, my goodness, 
not just need a 180, like need massive just wholesale changes here. How about the fact that no team in the American League hit into more double plays last season than the Toronto Blue Jays? Pardon me. What? Remember, we, we talked the other day, we looked at Bo hit into 21 double plays. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. led baseball by hitting into 26 double plays. How does any of this make sense? Those should be line drive and launch angle. Line drive and fly ball specialists. They were they were both ground ball specialists. They were both double play machines. How did that make any sense? Has to be significantly better in 2023. Hit by batters. Or sorry, yeah, hit by pitchers. Hit batters. Hit by pitchers. Wow, Blue Jays hit 21 batters last season. Led baseball. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm screwing that up there. Jays hit a ton of batters last season, I should say. Alec Manoa led the American League with by hitting 15 batters. Holy moly, we all love Alec Manoa. But even my mom the other day was saying to me, you know what, when you're talking about Alec Manoa, I hope you're going to mention the hit batsman. He, he, he does need to clean that up a bit. And it, it is true, 15, that's a sensational amount. I hate to bring up such a Oh boy, bad, bad, painful memory. But the game one of the playoffs last year against Seattle, remember, it starts with Manoa going 0-2 quick to, to Julio Rodriguez, the entire Rogers Center, the entire country ready to explode as it's about to be one out, maybe even a strikeout. We're off to an amazing start. And on that 0-2 pitch, he hits Julio Rodriguez. He hit him twice that game. But the the, the big one was that first batter, right? That first inning, 0-2 pitch hits him, then a bloop single and a three-run home run. And all because of that hit batter, couple pitches later it's three nothing and the game is off to the worst possible start we could <laughs> that we could have imagined many of us are still having nightmares about that right so the hit batsman absolutely needs to get improved this season for the blue jays and finally we'll take a look at trevor richards trevor richards is his own <laughs> he's his own good and bad ugly from last season i mean the good blue jay fans like a strikeout pitcher trevor richards is an underrated strikeout pitcher he's a strikeout machine trevor richards strikes out a lot of batters that's in the good. In the bad, he walks a lot of batters too. My gosh, man, it's not going to help my hair grow back, right? He walks way too many guys. And the ugly for Trevor Richards, 5.34 ERA. Completely unacceptable and a far cry, a disappointingly far cry from how good and effective he was when he came over in 2021. And for Trevor Richards, the handwriting's on the wall. There's depth in this Blue Jay bullpen right now, and there's depth in, in particular at AAA just knocking on this major league door. Some guys are knocking down the major league door. That's how close they are to being on the major league level. So Trevor Richards, if any of that bad, the walks or the ugly, the huge ERA, if any of that continues, his time with the, his days with the Blue Jays are surely going to be numbered. Now let's take a look at a little pro baseball GM. This is one of the cooler games I've played in a while. I've always thought I could be a great major league general manager. And as it turns out, and probably shouldn't shouldn't be as surprised as I am, but it's it's difficult. It's not that easy, right? I probably should have known that, but it's not that easy. If you've had that same thought and have fantasized about managing your own franchise, then go and download Pro Baseball GM immediately. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of the franchise. You play through seasons, you lead your franchise and fans to glory. You try to build that historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and the staff. You manage the team finances. You've got a, you're up there scouting and drafting the players, managing through difficult personalities and injuries, and you've got to navigate your franchise through free agency and all of the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM completely free. It's playable offline, so you play on the go. You play how you want, when you want. So once it's downloaded, you don't even need to be in Wi-Fi. Great opportunity to get together with your friends for friendly competition some bragging rights here all of the locked on baseball hosts for example are, are all in a friendly competition on pro baseball gm 
So Locked On Blue Jays listeners, you get a 100% free boost to your franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, you just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. Again, that's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. And let me mention that this show, of course, Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On network of podcasts. There is a Locked On MLB, so definitely give that a look as well. Has all of the baseball previews, all of the division previews, including yours truly, of course, part of the American League East division preview. So definitely give that a go as well. Now, third and final segment. So you know around here we like to deep dive numbers in the final sex, uh, final segment of Locked On Blue Jays. Today is the last day. One day we have to get through. One day. Today, that's it. And then it's go time for Blue Jay baseball. I know we're all super excited. So number one is the number we'll deep dive in Toronto Blue Jay history today. Starting with some Locked On Blue Jay trivia. Who was the first? There, there's been a few, but who was the first Toronto Blue Jay to lead the American League in All-Star votes? At the time, he set a record. It's since been just absolutely massacred. <laughs> but the first Toronto Blue Jay to lead the American League in All-Star voting. Drop your answer, drop your guesses in the comments. And when you're talking number one in Toronto Blue Jay history, how about we shout out the original number one, the first Blue Jay ever. He wore number one with the Blue Jays. Bob Baylor, taken in the expansion draft. Baylor would actually go on to be the Blue Jays player of the year. Their first two seasons, he was their number one ever Blue Jay, war number one, and was the number one good actual player that the Blue Jays had. Bob Baylor, shout out to Bob Baylor. The number one bust in Toronto Blue Jay history, likely anyway, also wore number one and was a first round draft pick. Do you remember Eddie Zosky? Eddie Zosky was going to be the shortstop of the future. He was going to be this awesome player. Oh, boy. Again, first-round pick, right? Oh, my goodness. In total, Eddie Zosky spent parts of what was it, five seasons on the big league level. His career batting average, 160. Crickets, tumbleweed, my gosh. First-rounder, much ballyhooed, much, much hyped, 160 career average. Okay, let's move on. And when we move on here, let's move on to the number one in Toronto Blue Jay history. One of the great Toronto Blue Jay players that ever existed, that definite rest in peace to Tony Fernandez. We know he wore number one for many of you. He was number one. This guy's a fan favorite. For many of his teammates, he was number one. Listen to Jesse Barfield and, and his teammates. They just absolutely wax poetically when they talk about Tony Fernandez. It's obvious to rave about him as a player. It's obvious to rave about him as a player, but as a person and as a teammate, he gets two thumbs up from everybody who's ever come in contact with him. Tony Fernandez was a four-time Blue Jay. Holy moly, four-time Blue Jay spanning 12 seasons. His career as a Blue Jay over 12 seasons, big sample size. 297 hitter with a 353 on base and a 765 OPS. Pretty good numbers, pretty good numbers. And he was a good hitter, a good uh, switch hitter. But, of course, not at all his calling card, right? His defense was his calling card. This guy, Tony Fernandez, was so special. Imagine, and if you grew up in this time, you don't have to imagine. You lived it. He had an entire country. I mean, Americans and Dominican. There was a lot of people imitating his style, right? But he had the entire country of Canada imitating his playing style. And, of course, we were all, uh, you know, imitators. None were duplicated. We were all imitators. None could be as crisp, clean, smooth incredible as Tony Fernandez was defensively. That was a shortstop. People will forget, it's it's very obscure, but that one season in 1994, he played one season with the Cincinnati Reds, Tony Fernandez actually at third base, and he set the single season record in baseball for best fielding 
uh, best fielding percentage by a third baseman. This guy was incredible, good at the plate, incredible in the field, and still to this day holds a lot of Toronto Blue Jay franchise records. Amongst those games played, most hits, most singles, most triples in 1990, just before he got traded. Remember, Fernandez was part of that trade with Fred McGriff that brought back Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter. And just before that, just before that season, he actually set a franchise record with 17 triples. That was in 1990, 17 triples. Last year, the Blue Jays had 12 triples. <laughs> the Blue Jays team had 12 triples. Tony Fernandez, one season himself, 17. My goodness. His low as a Blue Jay came in 1987, and we'll dive into that collapse the Blue Jays had. Believe it or not, one of the all-time great collapses in baseball history was authored by the Toronto Blue Jays in 1987. And a big part of that, with about a week left in the season, they lost Tony Fernandez. And Tony Fernandez that season was eighth in MVP voting, a gold glover, an all-star. He was hitting a 322. He had a 379 on base. He was a superstar. And Bill Madlock of the Detroit Tigers, with about eight games to go, took him out at second base, and this was way different slide rules now, right? You need to be close to second base now, like extremely close to second base. Back in these days, absolutely not. You could be completely far off. If you ever see the replay, you'll see Bill Madlock was nowhere close to second base. Complete cheap shot on Tony Fernandez. Bill Madlock disagrees. You'll see the replay. Complete cheap shot. Fernandez lands on the, the cutout of the bases there, and it was wood, a plank to, to, to nail that in, landed right on that. And I know. Do you believe it? Well, I know. It's all so wonky, but broke his arm. Missed the rest of the season. Tony Fernandez's high as a Toronto Blue Jay was the 1993 World Series. One of the great games that's ever been played in baseball history was game four of the 1993 Toronto, uh, sorry, World Series, Blue Jays, Phillies. That was a 15-14. You talk about thriller. Holy moly. Tony Fernandez in that game, five RBIs. In that World Series, Tony Fernandez had nine RBIs. That to this day remains a record for most RBIs in a World Series for a shortstop. Easy to love Tony Fernandez. But certainly thank you for spending another day talking Blue Jay baseball with me. Tomorrow it is go time. How excited are we? I know, I know, I know. For the rest of today, though, don't forget to check out the Locked on Fantasy Baseball podcast and the Locked on MLB podcast as well. If you can get a good night's sleep tonight, more power to you. But I will see you tomorrow for the season opener.